And if you're in Christ tonight, amen, you have access to the name of Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Let's, uh, we're going to get into our Bible study tonight. We are in Revelation chapter number 4. And if you're going, if you're following our outline of Revelation, and if you don't have one or didn't get one, I think maybe there's some, Vicki has some she can pass out to you. And, um, uh, but uh, our outline we have covered Chapter 1, which was the revelation of the glorified Christ. Chapters 2 and 3 we just finished up last week, which covers the entire scope of the church age. And then tonight we will be um, looking at chapter number 4, which is the church, the church taken up to heaven. Amen. This is where we're at right now in biblical prophecy. We're in that third in that third chapter of Revelation in in our timeline, and if you'll notice, if you still have that, uh, um, it it shows on the bottom there. We had that timeline of the church age, and then the rapture, which is the next the next um, uh, event to take place, prophetic event to take place, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, I assume when I when I talk about this, we we we've been mentioning it a lot, mentioning it a lot, quite frequently here lately because I just feel um, the urgency. I feel we're so close. I, I I just I just sense that. I believe um, the Bible prophecy teachers and preachers that that I follow and read after and listen to are all on the same page here that we are there at the brink, at the time, at the moment of the coming of Jesus Christ for His church, the rapture. We're not setting any dates. We're not supposed to do that. We can't set any dates but because no man knows the day or the hour when He's coming for His bride, for His church. But we do believe in the imminent return of Jesus for the church, which means he could come at any moment and any time. So we've, we've looked at these seven churches. We've talked about these seven churches, and uh, which uh, chapters 2 and 3 that covered these churches, cover the church, the entirety of the church age, in which that's where we are today. We're in the church age. Sometimes people try to put events, um, uh, current events, into the book of Revelation, over in certain areas of Revelation, chapter 18 or 16 or whatever, that this is a fulfillment of that. But it's not because we're not there yet. We haven't yet got to chapter 4. Amen. We're right on the brink of that. And so that's what we want to look at tonight is uh, Revelation chapter number 4. Also, we had a handout that uh, uh, I hope everybody got one of these, and um, just four parallels that we'll look at in a little bit uh, between Revelation chapter 4, 1 and 2 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17. So as we go through these verses tonight, we will see, and we'll give you some, um, you know, give you uh, some evidence um, that that this is concerning the rapture of the church in Revelation chapter 4. 
Let's read. Uh, let's just read these 11 verses, and then we'll get into it, okay? Verse number 1, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. John said, after these things, which after these things refers to the churches, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately. I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Oh, hallelujah. I feel something just reading that. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Father, add your blessing tonight to the reading of the Word and the teaching of your Word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Chapter 4 marks a shift and uh, begins the prophet, prophetic of uh, the prophecies of some of futuristic events which are quite horrific as we will begin to get into those in a couple of weeks. But beginning in chapter 4, the things to come begin to unfold. Chapter 4 of Revelation begins the third section of the book of Revelation following the outline 
that Jesus gave in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. And I want to refer back to that because this is so important in helping us to understand the book of Revelation. And I, and I put it on the uh, chronological outline uh, handout that we have. The natural outline given in Revelation 1.19 is where Jesus said to John, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So we're following that natural outline. The things that he had seen was chapter 1, which was the vision of the glorified Christ. The things which are uh, covered chapter 2 and 3, which is the church, the um, the the uh, the church age in which we're in now, and then the things which shall be hereafter are future events that cover chapters four through chapter twenty-two. So everything that we're going to study now from chapter four on in Revelation are all prophetic future events. We follow, as I said when we started this that first night that we follow a literal, futuristic interpretation of the prophecies of Revelation beginning in chapter 4, and we believe that these prophecies have not yet been fulfilled at any point in history. There is a preteristic view or the preterists that teach and believe that everything in Revelation is past history and it was all fulfilled uh, by 70 A.D. I don't know where, I don't know what they've done with the millennium and all that. And I don't know, the New Jerusalem, where is it? I can't find it. But uh, we do not follow a historical view of Revelation, but we follow a literal futuristic interpretation of the book of Revelation, that it is prophetic. And so from Revelation 4 here, this begins the section of the things that will be hereafter or after this. Amen. Uh, the things that will be hereafter what? Hereafter the church. After the churches. And we're going to see here tonight in Revelation 4 uh, one of the reasons, of the many reasons, why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church because we place the rapture here in Revelation chapter 4. I believe that we'll see that as we go through this chapter tonight. Now, in case there's anybody that, what are you talking about, rapture? And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, rapture, that word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the word caught up is, and it's harpazo, and uh, that's where we get the word and use the word rapture. Actually, the word is in the Latin Bible when they translated um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 concerning the catching up of the church. Um, the word harpazo in the Latin was um, was translated in the Latin Vulgate as rapto, rapto. So that's where we get our word, our term rapture in referring to the coming of the Lord for the church. So everybody clear on what the rapture is, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little more as we go through because I think we all are pretty well. I don't want to take it for granted that everybody just automatically knows because sometimes people get the coming of the Lord, you know, the rapture and the second coming confused, and they're two separate 
distinct events. The second coming of Jesus back to the earth cannot take place at any time. There are prophecies that have to be fulfilled before that can happen. But uh, a lot of things have to happen before the second coming back to the, when he comes back to um, plant his feet on the Mount of Olives and set up his kingdom. Things have to take place. And there are signs for that event. But the rapture, there are no signs for the rapture. There are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled. We look for the rapture and we watch for the coming of the Lord for his church every minute of every hour of every day. Can I get an amen? All right. So here John in chapter 4, he said, After these things I look, behold, a door standing open in heaven in verse 1. The first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must, must take place after this. So John enters heaven in chapter 4, verse 1 here. After hearing the trumpet voice, instruct him to come up here. John looks. He beholds a door, sees a door that's open in heaven. And when he sees this door, he's, he's immediately there in the presence of God. He's, he's caught up to be in the presence of God. The door that he saw, the, the place that he entered, the heaven, I guess I want to say the heaven that he entered into is the third heaven. There are three heavens that are mentioned in the Word of God. There's the atmospheric heavens, which we have the clouds and the atmosphere right above us. There's the starry spaces, the heavens that are past the atmosphere, where all the, the stars and the galaxies and all that is. But then there's the third heaven, which is the abode of God. That's where God is. This is where uh, John was caught up to. And so when he goes, he's, he's caught up into the third heaven. And this catching up of John is symbolic, as I've said, of the rapture of the church. Because at the sounding of the trumpet, the dead are going to rise. The dead in Christ are going to be resurrected. And the faithful who are still alive and remain, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, are going to be transformed and both groups are going to be raptured and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now I want us to look at the parallels. If you got this handout, the four parallels that we have between Revelation 4, 1 and 2 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. In in, 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 first, in Revelation 4, 1 and 2, uh, first of all, we have a door open. John sees, uh, looks, and he beholds a door standing open in heaven. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 there, the Lord descends from heaven. In, in Revelation 4, he hears a voice like a trumpet. Notice that. John hears a voice like a trumpet. And we know 
that that's the voice of Christ because we, we, it was described in chapter 1. Remember the vision in chapter 1 of the glorified Christ where John said that he heard a voice like a trumpet and he turned to see and he saw Jesus. Amen. So we know the voice that he hears that is like a trumpet is that of the Lord. But the same parallel is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. So there's a voice as a trumpet there. In, in Revelation 4, it said that his voice, this voice that John heard said, Come up here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the, the scripture says there that we will be caught up in the clouds. We're going up. Amen. And we'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And in, in Revelation 4, John was immediately in the Spirit. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, we're caught up. And that word caught up, as I said, is the Greek word harpazo. And it literally means to seize upon with force and to take away suddenly. That's what that word means. Suddenly, there's going to be a catching away of the church. Praise the name of the Lord. So John was immediately in the Spirit. He was caught up immediately in the Spirit. Amen. When we hear the Lord, when that day comes that that trump sounds and we hear the voice of the Lord and the Lord says to us, come up here. I'm telling you, we're going. Amen. We're going. If you're in Christ, if you know Jesus, when he gives that shout command, when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, and that word shout there means a shout command. I always think of it as the command like he gave at the tomb of Lazarus when he um, called Lazarus out. And he just said what to La He said, Lazarus, call him out by name. Lazarus, come forth. And, and, and immediately Lazarus was resurrected, been dead four days. And you've heard preachers say it before, and it's true. It's a good thing he called Lazarus and didn't just say, come out, or everybody that would have died would have come out. Amen? Because he is, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So when we hear him say, come up here, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be called up, taken away suddenly to meet the Lord in the air. I am anticipating anxiously this event to take place. Praise God. So here's the order of events. The order of events is the church age first, which is where we are now, then the rapture of the church, and then the church is from that point on in heaven. From this scripture we've read right here, Revelation 4.1, after this, the church from this point on is in heaven. When we studied Revelation 2 and 3, the church was prominent. The word church was prominent. We read the word church over and over again. The word church in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is used 19 times 
in those two chapters. But from chapter 4, it does not occur again. The word church does not occur again until Revelation 22, 16. So from Revelation 4 all the way through the rest of this book until Revelation 22, the word church is not found. The reason is because the church is not, and hear me tonight, I don't think I'm trying to convince anybody, but we need to be steadfast in this because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a participant in the scenes and the events of the tribulation period from Revelation 6 through 19. We're out of here before those events begin to take place. The phrase that we read over and over in Revelation 2 and 3 that Jesus used seven times in those two chapters where Jesus said, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Remember that? He said it seven times, but that phrase is not used again. The next time that that the phrase... uh, If anyone has an ear, hear, let him hear. Has an ear, let him hear. Is in Revelation 13 and 9. And it says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. The word church or the phrase to the churches is omitted. So he's not speaking to the churches after Revelation chapter 4. You know why? Because we're not going to be here. We're not going to be on this earth. The church is going to be taken out and we're going to be hidden in heaven from God's anger and from God's wrath that's going to come on this earth. Amen. Everything changes, ladies and gentlemen, after this rapture takes place. Amen. The age of grace is over. Now, that doesn't mean God's not going to extend grace. doesn't mean people are not going to be saved. But God will deal with this earth and will deal with people in a different way during that tribulation period than he does now during this age of grace. You don't want to miss this event called the rapture of the church church come on amen praise God I've heard people say it before you know they they, you know that they say well I know enough about the Bible if I miss the rapture of the church I know what to do and I'll not take the mark of the beast you don't want to go there amen God has given the rapture for that purpose to hide his saints let me read you a couple of Old Testament verses that I believe uh gives us a little um a little revelation even from some Old Testament verses concerning this point. In Zephaniah chapter 2 and verse 3, Zephaniah said, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Oh, hallelujah. That just almost makes me want to shout right there. I'm having a hard time not preaching. In Isaiah 26, 20, listen to this. He says this. God said, come, my people. Enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be passed. 
And then in the New Testament, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, that we are to wait. He's talking to the church here. That we are to wait for his son from heaven, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Hallelujah. That's good news. Do you know that's why we can comfort one another with the fact, you know, Jesus or or Paul said concerning the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, comfort one another with these words. Well, I can't comfort you if I'm going to tell you we're, we're going to face the wrath of God and going through the tribulation, but I can comfort you with the fact that the trumpet's going to sound, the dead are going to be raised, and the living saints are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. We are going to get out of here. I know people say it's escape theology. Well, that's what Jesus called it. He said, pray that you may be counted worthy, that you, that you may be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming on this earth. I want to escape. I'm ready to escape. And Jesus, thank God's made a way via rapture that we can escape what's coming on the earth. I got to hurry. I got, I got a long way to go here. Amen. But you're with me? Are you with me? All right. And so he hears that vo- voice of the trumpet in verse 2. It says, John says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So, John, what happens here? What's going on here? John changes locations. He's on the Isle of Patmos, and then all of a sudden he's in the Spirit and he's translated to heaven. And the next thing he finds, the next place that John finds himself is in the presence of God before the throne of God. Where is John in verse 2? He finds himself in the throne room of God. Oh, hallelujah. He's in the throne room of God. The throne of God is the dominant feature here. Everything, as we see in Revelation 4 here, everything revolves around the throne and the one sitting on the throne. The throne is the key focus and the one sitting on the throne. He is the sovereign and the omnipotent and the one ruling over the universe. And can I tell you something tonight? That tonight as we stand here, as we sit here in this service, Almighty God is seated on his throne. Are you hearing me? He's there tonight. He's on the throne. If you'll notice, John said that the throne, there was, there was a throne set. The throne was set, set, S-E-T, in the heaven. His throne is set. Set. It's not movable, it's not shakable, and it's not to be overthrown. And where John is, and what John sees, and what John describes in this fourth chapter of Revelation is what we soon are going to see with our own eyes, where we're going to be in our own uh, glorified bodies very, very soon. We will be there looking at the very 
very scene that John is describing in Revelation chapter 4 before the throne of Almighty God. Can I get an amen? Oh, John said there that immediately, he said immediately he was in the spirit and he saw that one sitting on the throne. This shows how quickly that the catching away of the church is going to happen. One second, John was on the earth on Patmos. Now, I don't know that God literally transferred him to heaven bodily. I'm not going to say that. Whether it was, you know, Paul, when he was caught up to this third heaven, he said, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. But he said, I saw some things that that God told me not to even repeat, that are not lawful to even talk about. So so Paul took this same trip and uh, spent some time in heaven and saw some things in heaven. And so whether John was literally physically taken, I don't know, but in the spirit he's there. But I got news for you. You and I are going to be literally and physically taken and stand there in that throne room of God. There'll be no time. It's immediate. It's quick. It's it's going to happen. Uh, Paul said in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and that's when the rapture is going to take place. There won't be any time for anybody to make things right with God. There won't be any time to repent if a person's not saved. Jesus warned us over and over again to be ready, to watch, to make sure we're ready. I know some people today, you know, they think, well, I've heard this all my life. But man, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, we can't lose faith in this now. We're closer. I know I've been in this a long time myself. I've heard, I don't, couldn't tell you how many, how many sermons and and lessons on the coming of the Lord for his church and I know people have gotten you know they've got tired of hearing it they've said well we don't think it's going to happen there are scoffers out there that are denying the rapture there are people that are going their own way and have forgotten about it and said well it's not going to happen but oh that's just another sign that we're living in the closing hours of this age and that Jesus is coming very soon for his church in the moment in the blink of an eye in a, in a nanosecond one minute we'll be here one second we'll be here and boom the next second we'll be caught up to be with the Lord and be standing before the presence of almighty God it could happen praise God I may not get to eat breakfast in the morning at my house I may be around the throne of God and that'd be alright with me amen I'm ready hallelujah I'm ready praise God So John is there. He's immediately called up and he begins to describe what he sees and immediately immediately he is impressed with the colors that he sees. The one on the throne, he said. He begins to describe the one on the throne, which we believe is God the Father. And um, on the throne, he describes the one there as being like a jasper and a sardius stone. Amen. Verse number 3. And uh, that's his appearance as a jasper and a sardius stone. Well, a jasper, what is that? It's described in Revelation 21, 11 as being a, a stone that is as clear as crystal, probably more like a diamond is how we would describe the jasper. But then the sardius stone, that's a stone that is just a deep red. It's a beautiful red like a ruby. And so jasper speaks of God's purity, while the sardius, the redness of that sardius stone, speaks of his redemptive purposes. And any time you see the, 
the red there, the scarlet, it's always representing what? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our redemption coming from God, from Jesus, through the blood of the cross. The jasper and the sardius stone. I don't know if this means anything to anybody or not, but when I studied this, I mean the jasper and the sardius, and it's, it's very interesting that you remember the breastplate of the high priest in the Old Testament tabernacle. That breastplate had, had 12 stones on it. That represented each one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, the, the jasper was the first stone, and the sardius was the last stone on that breastplate. The jasper represented Reuben, the firstborn. The sardius represented Benjamin, the youngest. This refers to God as being a, a God of the covenant and keeping his covenant always with his people. It's interesting that Reuben, the the the, ja the sardius, Reuben, the word Reuben, the name Reuben means behold a son. And the word Benjamin, which is the sardius, the last stone, Benjamin means the son of my right hand. So what he's describing here, oh hallelujah, is God the Father and God the Son at his right hand. That's Jesus he's talking about. I can't tell you enough that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We sung tonight about the name of Jesus. It's all about him, and it speaks of Jesus and his finished work. And the only way we're ever going to see this scene in heaven, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. John sees a rainbow then also around the throne. God's throne is not surrounded by danger signs or warning signs or keep out signs. And that's really interesting because in the old covenant, they, there was keep out signs, so to speak. They couldn't go. Anybody couldn't go into the presence of God. But here around the throne, there's nothing that's keeping anybody away, but it's surrounded by what? It's surrounded by a rainbow, which is a symbol of what? Not LGBTQ, no. Amen? Hallelujah. They've hijacked the symbol of God's covenant of grace and mercy. That's what the rainbow stands for. The rainbow is a symbol of, a symbol of God's mercy. God put the rainbow in the clouds to just to, to, as a covenant to Noah that he would not destroy, not only Noah, but to all mankind and all creation, that he would never destroy the earth by water again. This rainbow represents the new covenant. It reminds us of a God who keeps his promises. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. And we are invited to come boldly before this throne of grace and obtain grace and find mercy in the time of need. Hallelujah to the Lamb. It's an, it's a, it's an emerald rainbow. It's not a rainbow. This rainbow around the throne of God is not an ordinary rainbow like we see that has all the different colors of the blues, the reds, the yellows, the greens, but this is an emerald rainbow. It's an emerald in color. It's green which speaks of calmness. It speaks of serenity. Hallelujah. And it also speaks of life. Green is the color of life. And it speaks of everlasting eternal life.
life. But there's something else that the rainbow is a symbol of and what the rainbow is telling us. This rainbow around the throne of God that you and I will stand and see is telling us that the storm is over. Every time when you see a rainbow, a storm has come through, but the storm is over. Hallelujah. And the sun is shining. Come on, somebody. I want you to know at the rapture of the church, when we get to heaven and stand before the throne of God, all of the storms of life are over for the church. God is saying there's peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. Oh, won't it be wonderful there, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. Hallelujah. Verse number four. He says, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones were 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Who are these 24 elders? I believe that, and we'll, we'll look at this, but I believe the elders are a picture. These 24 elders, they're not angelic beings, as we'll see, but they are a picture of the redeemed of all ages. This is another picture these 24 elders are representing. They, they represent the Old and New Testament saints. They represent the church of Jesus in heaven. Twelve represent the Old Testament saints, and 12 represent the New Testament saints. What do you, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, there are 12 gates in the new Jerusalem, in heaven. And each of those gates has what on it? Does anybody know? Each of those gates has the name of one of the 12 patriarchs of Israel. And then there's 12 foundations to the city of the new Jerusalem. You know what's on those 12 foundations? Each foundation, there is a name of one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So the 12 patriarchs represent all of the Old Testament saints, the 12 apostles, the New Testament saints in glory. And so you put them together and you have the elders that represent the Old and the New Testament saints. And I believe that that is what this picture of these 24 elders in heaven is that's what it's a picture of this is the raptured church in heaven let me give you something else to kind of verify that it says that these elders are clothed in what what are they clothed in they're clothed in white robes what is that a symbol of the white robes are a symbol of the purity and the righteousness of the saints in revelation 19:8 it says that talking about the bride of christ it says to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints so these 24 elders have to be saints because they're clothed with the righteousness of the saints. Amen. The Bible says in, in Isaiah 
Isaiah 118, though our sins be as scarlet, what did he say he would do? He'd make them whiter than snow. So these are individuals who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Also, these 24 elders are sitting on thrones with crowns of gold upon their head. And, and the word for crown there is not the same word. It's not the word that is used for a crown on a king. It's not the same word that is used for a crown on Jesus or the crowns upon Jesus. The crowns upon the Lord Jesus, the crowns that are given to a king, is the Greek word diadem. But this is not the word diadem. The crowns that are on the heads of these 24 elders is the word stephanos. And it means the victor's crown. The Stephanos crown was the crown that was given to those in, in, in those Bible days that would, win, that would win the events and the athletic games that they would have, the Grecian games and the Roman games that they would have. And those who won those athletic games and won those races would, be, would receive, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, that they would receive an, a corruptible crown. It was a crown of reed. But it was the victor's crown. They were crowned because they had won. They were crowned because they had overcome. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so the crowns and the white robes are something that is promised to who? Jesus said it. We, we studied it in the last couple of chapters in Revelation 2.10. He told that church there, he said, if you'll be faithful to death, I'll give you a crown of life. He told the church in Sardis, he said, that, that, that there's a few of you in Sardis that have not defiled your garments a few names even in Sardis that are still living for me and he said they will walk with me in white for they are worthy so what we're seeing here is a group of saints they've received the victor's crown Paul said there's laid up for me in heaven a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me and not to me only but to all them that what love his appearing hallelujah oh that old, that old hymn that says I will wear we shall wear a robe and a crown and we're going to very very soon this represents what these 24 year old elders are none other than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven around the throne of God in Revelation 5 9 he says this concerning those elders that they sung a new song saying you are worthy to take the book and to open the seal speaking of Jesus for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue people and nation there is no doubt in my mind that these elders in Revelation 4 are the raptured church the saints of God Amen? Praise God. Verse 5. From the throne, John's describing again. He said, from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. The lightnings and thunderings that John sees and hears coming from the throne represents something as well. Now we saw a rainbow. He saw a rainbow that represented to those in heaven that the, their storm was over. But here he hears coming and sees coming and hears coming from the throne lightnings and thunderings. When you hear lightnings and thunderings, 
that tells you that a storm is coming. Is that right? What's he saying? The storm is over for the church, but the storm is coming for those who have been left, for those who are still on the earth. Judgment is about to be poured out upon the world. And as we get into chapter 4 or chapter 5 and 6, we will see that. There's seven lamps of fire that are burning before the throne. Those seven lamps of fire, he said, are the seven spirits of God. And it doesn't mean that there are seven Holy Spirits. There are not seven Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit. But the seven lamps representing the seven spirits of God. Seven is the number of completion and fullness and, and perfection. And so these seven lamps burning represent the Holy Spirit before the throne in all of his fullness and all of his power. There are seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are given to us that were upon Jesus in his, in his earthly ministry. In Isaiah 11, 2, he mentions seven of those. And uh, he, said, he said that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. There's the full manifestation of the fullness of the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit and all of His fullness is there before the throne of God. Then he says in the first part of verse 6 that before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. The actual, this is the actual, what is this glass? We've sang about it, we've heard about it, we've talked about it, the glass be upon. What will it be, the old song says? when we get over yonder and join the throngs across the glassy sea this is that sea of glass and it's actually the very throne room the floor of the throne room of God it's a place that is undisturbed by restlessness and the tossings of this world it's a place of total calm and total peace no more stormy seas or troubled waters all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore, what a day, glorious day that will be. But I'm going to tell you something today, that you don't have to wait to get to heaven to have the peace of God. You can have the peace of God in your heart right now. Jesus has promised his peace for us today. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So here he sees the, 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 uh, the, the sea of glass, the floor of the throne room of God. And in the midst of the throne, the second half of verse number 6. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. And here's some strange stuff. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. John saw these four living creatures. The King James calls, King James calls them beasts. But they're, they're, the living creatures is a better translation because that's what the word is. It's the Greek word zoon from where we get our English word zoo. And it means living ones or living creatures. 
creatures. What are these living creatures? What are these strange-looking creatures? Well, they are literal angelic beings, and they are distinguished from the redeemed elders and from ordinary angels. These are the four living creatures. You know, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1, when he saw that vision at the river, uh, at the riverside there, he saw some creatures like these. Remember that vision of Ezekiel with the wheel in the middle of the wheel and all that? Well, he saw these creatures. He also saw them in Ezekiel chapter 10. And Ezekiel described them as being the cherubims. The cherubims. When you read about them here in, in Revelation chapter 4, they're kindly, they have some of the characteristics of a cherub but also of a seraphim. Because remember Isaiah's vision in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah saw uh, the Lord lifted up, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and he saw the seraphims there that were crying just like these angelic beings were crying. They were crying what? Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Well, those, those seraphims had, 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 um, had six wings, and these have six wings. So there's some characteristics of both of them. But what they're doing is more important than what they are. Amen. There's, there's some that say that these four beings uh, represent the four gospels. Some say that they represent Jesus Christ. As, as, as a man in his humanity, as a king, as a servant, and as God. But you know what I believe? I believe they represent all of creation. You have, the, you have the face of a calf, and you have the face of an eagle, and the face of a human. Amen. And, and, um, and, and what was the other one? What was the the line, yeah. So you have all of creation there. And I believe that's what he's seeing and representing, that all of creation is worshiping God. All of creation doing what they're supposed to do. All of creation doing what they're going to do one of these days. Giving praise and worship to God. Can I tell you something? That, that Paul said that this entire creation is in groaning and travail. Waiting for what? They're waiting for something. This earth is in travail. What's waiting for the redemption the, 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 the restoration the redemption of the sons of God hallelujah they're waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and all creation one day is going to worship him and that's what these angelic hosts are doing they are living creatures that have six wings full of eyes and they're constantly around the throne of God they never leave the throne of God and they're constantly crying out day and night they rest not, he said, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Oh, hallelujah. Their sole purpose is to worship God. They're worshiping the Father. They're worshiping the Son. And they're worshiping God the Holy Ghost. They are overwhelmed with the beauty of Almighty God and His creation. And throughout eternity, they will never cease to worship and to praise God. Let me tell you something tonight, saints. Heaven is a place that is filled with praise. I said heaven is a place that is filled with praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, we need, you know what? We just well get used to it. 
Amen? This world that we live in can get pretty noisy, but I'm going to tell you what. This is the quietest place that you're going to live. Because if you die lost and go to hell, you're going to live eternally hearing the screams and the cries and the curses of those who were not saved throughout eternity. But if you're saved and go to heaven, you're going to hear the sounds of shouts and praise and worship of the redeemed. Hallelujah. Some people don't believe in shouting. Well, you better get used to it because we're, hey, listen, heaven's not going to be some, some cold, um, ritualistic, dry uh, place to be that there's no excitement. It's going to be a place of worship and praise. We need to just start practicing right now. We need to have rehearsal and get ready for it. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's finish this up. I got one minute. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. But that's what they're doing there, ladies and gentlemen. They're, they're praising the Lord. Their anthem of praise goes on throughout eternity. And that's what heaven is going to be, a place full of praise. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, who is that? The church? The saints, what do they do? The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. The King James says, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. This is the worship of the church, the worship of the saints in heaven, a picture of us, the redeemed of the Lord. And this is what we're going to be doing, ladies and gentlemen. This is a true picture of worship. This is the picture that will be happening right after the rapture of the church. I don't want to miss this moment for anything in the world. Hallelujah. When the saints fall down and they bow before God's throne and we cast our crowns at his feet and cry you are worthy O Lord you are worthy O Lord you are worthy O Lord hallelujah they've already apparently been to the judgment seat of Christ and received their crowns but when they see the majesty of God hallelujah they fall on their face and throw their crowns down and just worship him hallelujah true worship ladies and gentlemen that's what this is true worship uh, the worship of God is, is worshiping him for who he is and worshiping him for what he has done and by them casting their crowns before the throne is their testimony to God saying that if it had not been for your grace if it had
had not been for your mercy, if it had not been for the salvation that was purchased at the cross of Calvary, we would have never been in that place to begin with. We would have never had victory over death, over hell, and over the grave. Oh, come on, when we get off of that throne and fall before his throne and acknowledge that all all things come from him and through him, our salvation is from him, our victory is from him, our righteousness is from him, our wisdom is from him. Everything that we have comes from him and through him and he deserves all the glory and the praise. It's not anything that I can do or I have done. It's all by his mercy and we will fall on our faces before the throne and cast our crowns and worship him for what he has done for us because we're then in his presence eternally. Come on, go ahead and give him a good praise. Oh, hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's what we got to look at. I ain't, I, you, can't, you can't turn back now. You can't give up now. You can't lose faith now. We're too close to that finish line. Whew. Too close to that finish line. When the redeemed come gathering in, washed like snow, free from sin how we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed come gathering in are you ready praise god hallelujah oh lord we love you let's just